Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. If you're new or visiting, we're going through the book of Corinthians on Sunday morning. And I, brethren, cannot speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able. For you are still carnal. For where are envy, strife, divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I'm of Paul, or another, I'm Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Father, we thank you and praise you for your goodness and your faithfulness. And again, we just come to worship you. Worship is not just songs. It's our lives. It's our soul, our being. And so we want to worship you by surrendering our hearts and our minds to your word, to the work of your word via the Holy Spirit, that we might become more like Jesus. That's why we're here. It's not about Calvary Chapel. It's about Jesus. So Father, use your Holy Spirit to stir our hearts, to guide us, to direct us, to lead us in that direction. I pray for the gift of teaching. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, last Sunday, we took note of the fact that Paul wanted to take these young Christians further in their walk with the Lord, but he was not able to because of their immaturity, their immaturity. They were focused on the temporal or carnal issues of their lives, and they were still partaking of the milk of the word and not moving into the meat of the word, and you can get the CD from last week if you'd like to. They're on the walls. They're free. So we're going to pick it up in verse 4. For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Paulos, are you not carnal? You see, Paul tells him straight up, when you cause divisions, when you cause divisions by picking someone to follow after, 
you're, you've fallen into the deception of the enemy and now you're living in the flesh. Maybe you're new to Christianity or maybe you're not even a believer this morning. We gl- we're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. We are here because we believe that Jesus is God. Not just a great prophet, not just a good teacher, that he is literally the son of God, which would make him God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We're also here because one day in the past we recognized that we were sinners and that we couldn't get to heaven on our own, so that meant we needed a Savior. Maybe you're here this morning, and you, and you need to realize that, that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. You'll see what I'm talking about as we go through this. I just want you to know straight up, God loves you. God loves you. He sent his son to die for you, and he desires a personal relationship with you. That's a fact. But there's this thing called the flesh, and Paul is using the word carnal. That those fleshly desires that we all have, like to breathe and to eat and to drink, those are fleshly. Our flesh needs those things. Sex, that's a God-ordained blessing, but our flesh can take it out of context and misuse it. So there's a lot of desires that we have that are correlated to the flesh or carnal. Verse 5, so then Paul addresses the issue. Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed as the Lord, notice, as the Lord gave to each one. Very important. Because each and every pastor, overseer, leader in the body of Christ is a minister of God's. Matter of fact, God has given to every Bible-believing Christian. If you're here this morning as a Bible-believing Christian, you have certain natural abilities but you also have been given at least one spiritual gift. That, that's fact. You have a spiritual gift. We may think that we've arrived or achieved something special, but it was God who gave us those abilities and giftings. And this is so important as we get into this. This is so important that we realize this, acknowledge it, and then allow the Holy Spirit to use those giftings, those abilities, for his glory. It's great if you have them, but if you're not using them for God, as you're going to see, it means absolutely nothing. You see, once again, Paul shows these young Christians that it's all about God and him alone. Paul's not taking any credit. Apollos isn't taking any credit. Paul's pointing him to Jesus. Paul's pointing him to the Holy Spirit, to God. Verse 6 and 7, I really like this. I planted, this is for you and I today, guys, written 2,000 years ago. I planted... Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. How does this apply to our lives today? Practically speaking, in the last month, we had a couple young men uh, in their early 20s received Christ as their Savior. And both of them were like just, just fruit, just dropping off the tree. Didn't even hardly have to say anything. They just, yes, I need a Savior. Yes, I need Jesus. That's because people, saints, had been planting and watering and fertilizing and doing what God had called them to do. It might have only been five seconds, five minutes. Who knows how many times? But God was looking for people to do those things, which is for you and me to do throughout the week as we're just going about our lives, planting and watering and fertilizing because it's God who brings the increase. It's God who brings the increase. So then, neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Very important. Again, Paul makes a simple point that our flesh is worthless. Our flesh is worthless. 
It is the Spirit of God who brings forth the fruit that will last into eternity. And again, as we're getting into this study here, this is part of the study. You want to get this in your head here. This is a very important Christian principle that I think very few Christians grasp because they were raised and maybe in a religion where it was all about works. Works, works, works. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to get God to love me. I got to do this. I got to do that. And so then they get into Christianity and they hear about grace and mercy. And so they take a deep breath and they go, oh, I don't have to work anymore. Yeah, for your salvation. Exactly. No, that's off the table. You're saved by grace through faith. Not none of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's off the table. But unfortunately, what happens in Christianity is we put our lives on the shelf. Great, salvation's off the table, and I don't need to do anything. I'm just going to be a sponge for the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years until I die. And just take it all in, because I don't have to do anything. Well, you want to see here, in reality, you don't have to. You get to. It's a privilege. And that takes debugging the program. Taking out that religious nonsense of I have to, I have to, I have to. No, I get to. I get to. I get to meet with God every day devotionally. I get to to, to read my Bible and the Holy Spirit will talk to me through his word. There's a difference between religion and relationship. And if you've been trapped in religion and you haven't debugged the program yet, you're going to stay trapped in religion. And you're going to fall short in that relationship. Not that you're losing your salvation. None of that nonsense but you're going to miss out on what God wants to do with you. Verse 8. For he who plants and he who waters are one, the body of Christ. We don't elevate people around here. We should never elevate people. Now, we respect people. The Bible says, give honor to whom honor is due. The Bible actually says, for those who teach the word, give them double honor. The Bible also teaches, don't receive an accusation against an elder except there be two or three witnesses. So, yes, there, there's honor to be due, but we don't lift them up like, oh, wow, I, I, Paul, man, he's a super saint. Nobody can be like Paul. Because look what Paul is doing. He's humble. He's saying, who am I? Who am I? I'm just a, I'm just a man. I'm just doing what God's called me to do. Did, does everybody, is everybody called to do what Paul did? No, not then, not now. He was called to be an evangelist, an apostle, starting churches, lots of ministry, traveling. But notice it says here, now he who plants and uses waters are one, the body of Christ. And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Notice that. We have the privilege of serving God in the ministry. And, and again, don't get just focused on church, Sunday morning, an hour and a half. Because planting and watering and fertilizing can take place throughout the whole week, in the workplace, in the neighborhood, in the grocery store, at the gas station, over the phone, through texting. That could take place anywhere. And so often what happens is we get focused on ministry is just Sunday morning for an hour and a half. Ministry is just Wednesday night for an hour and a half. A ministry is just at a prayer meeting. And we put, it every, we put our, our ministry in boxes Instead of realizing ministry can take place anywhere, 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 anytime, if we're open to the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit places us all on the same level playing field. You see, God has given us certain abilities and giftings, like, like the music team. 
I, don't, I cannot play like they play. Now, that's a physical gift, but they're taking that physical gift and using it for Christ. They're using it for the kingdom of God to bless themselves because they're worshiping. They're not entertaining you. They, at that moment, are worshiping God, and it allows us to come in and worship God as well as a body of Christ. What a blessing. What a blessing. So you have physical abilities that God wants to use, and how we use those abilities slash giftings, as well as our spiritual gift, will determine the reward that we will receive in heaven. We're going to receive a reward in heaven? If you've been here any amount of time, you've heard me talk about this. We go verse by verse through the Bible. So here are the verses. Here are the verses that talk about that reward. So you want to take this serious, as you're going to see as we wrap it up. If it's an issue with God, then it should be an issue with us. If it's so important that even Jesus would talk about it, that means it's important. Again, not for work's sake. Debug the religious program. Not for work's sake. For privilege and for storing up in heaven treasure. Notice that every person is going to receive a reward depending on what that person did via the Holy Spirit. Again, very, very important, especially if you're a young Christian, because again, it can fall right back into the works mentality. It's not a works mentality. With their abilities. So important. What are we going to do? Because Paul then goes on to say, you, we are God's fellow workers. So he's talking about him as a minister. We're just out working. But who are we working with? You are God's field. Field here, it's a farm, a cultivated field. So Paul is ministering to the church, and he's looking at the church as a field. How do I take care of the field? How do I farm the field? How do I tend the field? It's very, very important. You are God's building. Building here is architecture, architecture, the body of Christ. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. For you are God's fellow workers. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. So that could still relate to today. Whatever gift you have, maybe it's the gift of administration. Maybe you're really good at putting things together and bringing things together. You want to be able to use that gift in the body of Christ. That's also a spiritual gift. It's not just a physical gift. Maybe you don't know this, but it's actually a spiritual gift as well. So how can you use that in the body of Christ? Then you become what Paul is saying here. Hey, I'm just a, I'm just a fellow worker, but the church is God's field. And you are God's building. I'm just helping to build up the body of Christ. I'm just here to, to work the farm. We want to, make it, we want to make, make it understandable for you and I. Ephesians 2, 19 and 20. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, the church. The church. There is only one church, big C. We have various denominations, but there is only one universal church having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus, himself, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. That cornerstone, which makes it level and that makes it plumb, plumb, makes it level. Everything comes off that cornerstone to make sure the building is tight, that it's not going to collapse. In whom the whole body, the church now, think of the church, think of us as a church, We're a part of the whole body. 
being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. So not a physical building, but a holy temple working together, getting something done, achieving something physical as well as spiritual. Verse 22, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells within us as individual believers, but the Holy Spirit also comes and works amongst us. And one of those things is unity. One of those things that we see is unity. Another thing that we see is love. Another thing that we see is sacrifice, humility. All of those things take place to further what? The kingdom of God. Not the kingdom of Calvary Chapel. The kingdom of God. So important. Verse 10. Back in 1 Corinthians three ten. According to the grace of God which was given to me, and you and I have received the grace as well, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it, but let each one, and I have this highlighted in my Bible as we're going through this study here. This is very important for you and I, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. Notice the action there. Not putting it on the shelf. I'm saved. Now I'm just going to put it on the shelf. No, you don't want to do that. You need to take heed. Take heed means to look at, to look at. Let each one take heed to look at how you're building. How are you building the kingdom of God? How are you being a part of the kingdom of God? Or are you just watching everybody else or just a few people doing it? How are you helping? How are you helping? Very, very important. Let's look at Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Jesus speaking, Mount of Beatitudes, which hopefully will be there next April, April, unless they say we have to have a vaccine, then we will not be going. Uh, you can still go. Uh, if you'd like to join us, we're going to go in April. If you'd like to join us, you can uh, give money. It's in an account. We won't spend any of it. It's your money. If we cancel the trip, you will get all of your money back, 100% back. Until we hear that there's no vaccine required, we're not going. If there's a vaccine required, we're not going. If there's no vaccine, then we'll go. Matthew 7. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, notice that, He who hears these sayings and does them. So as I'm coming to you this morning teaching you the word of God, it's my job, according to the word of God in Ephesians, to train you for the work of the ministry. And that's not just an hour and a half on Sunday morning or Wednesday night. The work of the ministry is predominantly out there. You're here for an hour and a half on Sunday. Where are you the rest of the week? Out in your mission field. So debug the program. Debug religion. Your ministry is taking place all over the place. Very, very important. So we hear them, we do them. I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Now be very careful with the scriptures that you don't try to spiritualize or over-spiritualize everything that Jesus says or that the scriptures say. Just take it at face value. He's giving a physical analogy here. When you build a house, you dig down, you make sure the foundation is secure, post-tension in our community here. we got to make sure it's all good before we start building up or we're going to have serious problems. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, 
So we're not talking about salvation. We're not talking about salvation. We're talking about fruit. We're talking about works. Works, not works for salvation, works of salvation, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Back in 1 Corinthians 3. Let's do verse 10, and we'll go into verse 11. According to the grace of God, again, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. That is key. Matthew 16, 16. Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ. In Caesarea Philippi, when Jesus said, who do men say that I am? Who do you say I am? Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, upon that proclamation, I will build my church. You are not a great prophet, Islam. You are not a spirit baby, the spirit brother of Lucifer, Mormonism. No, you are not an angel reincarnated, Jehovah Witnesses. You're not just a great teacher. Whatever religion you want to put out there, he's either God or he's not. You don't have to dig down and spend years studying religion. Go right to Jesus. Who is Jesus in your religion? If he's not God, then we do not worship the same God. Don't try to convince me we do because we don't. It's that simple. Simon said it. Jesus said, upon this truth, not upon Peter. Peter was not the first pope. Peter was a man. Just reality. Not bashing Catholicism. It's just reality. He was not the first pope. You've got to debug the program. I was raised Roman Catholic. I had to debug the program by getting into the word of God and realizing that Peter was, was a man and he made mistakes. But you are the Christ, the son of the living God. There is no other foundation, none whatsoever. John six fourteen six. you say, well, that's just your opinion. That's not my opinion. Let's see what Jesus' opinion is. Jesus said to him, I am the way. The truth and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father. No one gets to heaven. No one except through me. That is very narrow. That's why Jesus said it. So that no one would wonder, I wonder how I can get to heaven. Maybe if I just do a bunch of good things. No, Jesus made it very, very clear. Only one way. It's through Jesus. So the Holy Spirit confirms through Paul what Jesus told his disciples years earlier, that there is only one way to get into heaven, and it is very, very narrow. Back in uh, Corinthians again, 1 Corinthians 3, 12 and 13 now. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation, are you seeing something here, guys? I mean, it's pretty simple. It's pretty plain. But if you're stuck in a religious program, it's going in one ear and out the other. So please let it stop in between those two ears. And here that you have a responsibility, that I have a responsibility, and not just on Sunday mornings. I have a responsibility throughout the week. Not for salvation. That's immature. That's No. To be, to, it's a privilege to be used of God wherever and whenever that might happen. And I don't know when it's going to happen, but am I available? Am I ready? Am I willing? Very important. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw... So Paul uses these physical analogies that we would all be relatable to. Each one's work 
will become clear for the day, capital D. Do your research. I personally believe this is the day that I die. And we'll talk about this in a few minutes. Just hang in there. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. And tying in with last week, am I doing work of the flesh or am I doing a work of the spirit? There's going to be a judgment that's going to take place for every single Bible-believing Christian. You see, Paul lists six materials here that show a stark contrast. It's quite obvious that the hay, the wood, and the stubble are going to burn rather rapidly. And in the text, these reflect those things done in the flesh or through carnal means. But then there is the gold, the silver, the precious stones on the other hand. We know that they become more refined or precious, please hear this, believer, through the heating as well as pressurization process. So two questions come to mind. The first question, there's going to be a judgment day for Christians. So what will we be judged for? Well, 2 Corinthians 10 says this. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. This is the Bible, guys. Every single believer is going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Not for salvation. That's off the table. It's done. We're not talking about salvation. We're not talking about rewards. Rewards. That each one may receive the things done in the body. What did I do for Christ on this side of heaven? Guys, you know there's no need for ministry on the second, you know, when we get to heaven. Billy Graham is not up there right now evangelizing. Everybody's saved. He's got a great voice, but everybody's saved. Nobody's in heaven with oil anointing the sick. It doesn't happen. They got their brand new bodies. There's no Sunday school trying to teach people, you're a sinner in need of a savior. They're saved. So there's no storing up treasure once you get to heaven. Very, very important. It's only what we do on this side of heaven that is stored in heaven. So if you're not doing anything, you're going bankrupt. You're going to get into heaven. But you're not going to have any rewards. You might go, well, I don't really care. I'm just glad I get to go to heaven. Please mature and think about what you might have just said in your mind. Well, I really don't care. Really? What you're saying is, I don't really care what the Bible says. You've got to take it to that level because that's what that level is. The Bible is teaching you to do something and you're saying, well, I really don't care. Okay, that's between God and you. But I care what the Bible says and I want to fulfill what the Bible says through the Holy Spirit. Always remember, it's always through the Holy Spirit. So as the Bible-believing Christians, we are going to receive rewards that are based on how we used our time, energy, resources, giftings alone. I will not be compared to anybody else, which is what we do in church, unfortunately. Well, I can't sing, so I, I can't be used in the church. Who said that? Nobody's ever taught that around here. You somehow got that in religion, you got that in your head, and you disqualify yourself. Now, there's going to be a burning process we see here. What could that burning process be? Is it purgatory? Debug the program. I, I talked to priests. I did research. There is no such thing as purgatory in the Bible. It was brought up by the church. That's a whole other story. It's, it's from the pit of hell. Or some other harsh judgment to pay for our failings or shortcomings. 
You see, remember we are not going to be judged for our eternal salvation, but for our temporary use, here it is, for our temporary use of the gifts given to us on this side of heaven. You see, there is a description of Jesus found in Revelation, and I believe this gives us insight into that judgment day. Revelation 1.14 says this, His head and hair were white as wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. The piercing eyes of our Lord. I find it interesting, you know, when when you confront someone, especially a little child, and you caught them doing something that they shouldn't have been doing when you just said, don't take that toy from that child, and they took the toy, so they stole, so now they're a thief, and you go over and ask them, do you just take that? And they look at you and go, no. Now they're a thief and a liar. Who are you people training up here? You're raising them bad. It comes naturally. And what do you say? You typically get down to their level, and what do you say? Look at me. Look at me. And what do they do? And you're going, look at me. Look at me. Why don't they look at you? When you're lying, why don't, when I'm lying, why don't I look somebody in the eye? Because I know I'm lying. My posture, my eye, tells us a story. I'm lying, so I can't look at you. Because if I look at you in the eyes and I lie to your face like politicians look into the camera today, their conscience is seared. That's what the Bible talks about. Their conscience is seared. When somebody can look into the camera and say to millions of people something the opposite that they just said on camera six months ago, and it's right there, black and white, and they go, but I'm telling the truth. So you were lying back then and now you're telling the truth or you were telling the truth and now you're lying? Which one is it? Both. It's called a chameleon. What do you want to hear? I'll tell you what you want to hear so that you can elect me. Not for Christians. So then what do you do to the child? You grab their face and you squeeze their face. Come here, come here, come here. Look at me. So now you got their face and, and you're looking right at them and what do they do? Their eyes are going all over the place. Look at now, look at now, going cross-eyed. You're like, just look at me. I personally believe that's the fire. We will stand before the king of kings and give an account for our lives. His eyes will just pierce right through. They'll just pierce right through. What we did do with all the time that he gave us, what did we, how do we impact or who did we impact with the gospel? How do we use our talents, our spiritual gifts for the kingdom of heaven? These are questions that I encourage you to ask yourself this week. This judgment is going to bring temporal sorrow, but will also lead to God. Think about this. Look at Revelation 21. This judgment is going to bring temporal sorrow but will also lead to God ministering to us. Revelation 21. God ministering to us? It's the very last book of the Bible. I believe this is what happens. I believe that we are judged the moment that we die and stand before God. I believe we go before the bema seat of God. Now you can do research and, and there's various opinions. Notice what I just said. There's various opinions. There's nothing in the scriptures that give us an exact time like the great white throne judgment. We know exactly when the great white throne judgment is going to happen. The Bema seat, we can't nail it down. 
So please don't come up and argue with me. It doesn't matter. The point is we're going to stand before it. Whenever that is, that's the bottom line. So it's not worth arguing about. Revelation 21, and I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, or mankind, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Isn't that enough for you and me? That's fantastic. We're going to see God. Uh, There's a saint in the next few days. I went and visited this past week on Friday. They're going to see God in these next few days. They're terminal. They're, they're, They're terminal. They know. We talked. She said, yes, I know Jesus as my Savior. Yes. And we read over the scriptures and we sang songs. And she was just so assured about reading the word of God and hearing the word of God once again to be absent from the body as we be present with the Lord. Guaranteed. Guaranteed promise. But notice the ministry here in verse 4. God's going to come. Jesus, well, it's Jesus specifically because Jesus says all judgment has been committed to me. So Jesus is going to bend over, hold your face, and he's going to wipe those tears. I know I'm going to be crying. If I think back over my 40, I was from 78, 43 years of knowing Jesus, I I know I, I didn't do things that he asked me to do. I know that. I know I did things in the flesh. I know that. I know they did things in the spirit. Praise God. And I believe a whole lot more than the the flesh. Praise God. But he's going to wipe those tears. He's going to grab my face. He said, it's okay. It's all right. You're you're home. You're home. But but this has to take place. This judgment has to take place. We have to get rid of everything. You're, You're entering into heaven. There's no curse here in heaven. There's no sin in heaven. There's no doing nothing wrong in heaven. So we've got to get rid of this right here, right now. That's what I believe the Bema Seed is all about. Because for, for decades, millenniums, really, two millenniums, people have been serving God in the flesh, and they think they know who God is, and they're in hell right now. They don't know who God is. But they did a bunch of work. They did a bunch of work. Jesus talks about that again in Matthew chapter 7. You can check it out. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Back in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 14, If anyone's work which he has built on endures, he will receive a reward. Notice that, guys. You as a believer, have the potential to receive rewards in heaven. Well, I really don't care. Okay, all right. Well, for those who do care, what are you doing about it? What are you doing about it? It's a guaranteed promise. We are going to receive rewards in heaven. And what a blessing that is going to be. Not only are we going to be blessed on this side of heaven, which we are, but God is going to bless us on the other side as well. And when you really grasp the work and reward system of God, you stop stressing out about the work and you focus on the word. And what does the word stress about our works? That I'm going to be asking God for more of the Holy Spirit. Remember what Jesus said in Luke? Ask, seek, knock. You you earthly dads, you evil dads, you know how to give good things unto your children. How much more will my heavenly father give more of the Holy Spirit to you who ask, seek, or knock? 
so that I might love him with all of my mind, soul, heart, and strength. And not try to work, but serve. Just serve. What does that look like to you? What does serving look like to you? Because that's really what this is all about. How can I serve? What gifts have you given to me that I might just serve you? You see, then I'll start to serve him out of pure motives. I'll start praying for the salvation of others, which makes reconciliation to God one of the keys to our ambassadorship. I'll start interceding on behalf of others for their health and their safety, including our current president, which we need to do. This guy is losing it, not mocking, not ridiculing. He's only got so many days of mental health, and he's not going to be able to decide for Jesus. He's going to be checked out. We need to be praying for his soul, as well as for our country, but for his soul and those around him. I'll start to serve others in humility rather than seeking after my own desires. I will become a true disciple and find myself fulfilling the work that God had for me to do out of a love relationship, not a work relationship. The additional blessing is that rewards await me on the other side. Well, then the question comes, what do you think we're going to do with those rewards? The Bible doesn't tell us. I believe this, though, that I will lay them at the Lord's feet and say that apart from you, Jesus, I could have done nothing worthy of eternal value. That's what Paul is saying right here in these verses. Who's Paul? Who's Apollos? God. That's what he's saying. It's of no eternal value unless I preach the gospel, unless I minister, unless I do what I'm called to do. You see, what happens when you reward a young child with something special for doing something well? What happens is that that little child gets all excited and they give you a big hug or a big smile or a high five and they temporarily, temporarily, it might only be for two or three seconds, but they temporarily forget what they received because they have a love relationship and they're so excited that you acknowledged what they did. If you really think about it, that's what it's all about. They don't grasp that, though, until they're in their 20s because we're pretty selfish until we get out onto our own and realize that money doesn't grow on trees. It's not in the bedroom of mom and dad. I actually got to get out and work a little bit to pay the bills. Let's look at Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. What might we do with these rewards? Again, the Bible doesn't tell us specifically clear-cut. So we have to kind of just uh, glean what we can glean and leave it at that. Revelation 4.9. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders... Fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. So that just tells me I'm just going to throw it at God. What else I'm going to do with it? I have no idea. I have no idea. So do I want to motivate you to serve in the various ministries of the church? What would be the answer to that? Absolutely. But that's not the main reason, because that would be temporal or fleshly. 
that'd be of no benefit. None. No, my motivation for encouraging you to serve here as well as anywhere is eternal. We just went over the scriptures. It's eternal. Yeah, sure, it might benefit some people here momentarily, but guys, you're storing up treasure in heaven. Jesus said a cup of cold water to a disciple. That person will not lose their reward. Jesus says these things. If Jesus is saying these things, why should we say, well, I don't care? Well, if you don't, you don't. That's, that's between you and him. But you better start caring. Let's look at Philippians chapter 4. You see, when we serve out of being led by the Holy Spirit, you're storing up treasure in heaven. Philippians 4. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. So Paul is in prison. He's writing to the church at Philippi. They love Paul, so they're sending him resources. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Missionary work. The church at Philippi was supporting missions. Missionary work. Why? Not that I seek a gift. Again, not that I seek you to work in the Sunday school or be an usher or be a greeter or do this or do that. Work, 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 work. That's fleshly. That's not what I'm seeking after. I'm seeking after what Paul is seeking after in the scriptures, what the Holy Spirit is seeking after in the scriptures. Why? But I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. That abounds to your account. I would venture to say that most of you have an account. You have a checking account. You have a savings account. And when you go to buy groceries at the store, you make sure that there's money in that account. Because if it's not, you're going to be standing there with a, a shopping cart full of stuff, and they're going to look at you and go, I'm sorry, this card's declined. You'd be going, what? No. And, and people behind you are looking at, would you get out of the way? Get money in your account. Get out of the way. They're thinking that. They're not saying that, but they're thinking that. And you're going, oh, I think I got another card here. Right? So you make sure that something's in your account. Why are we so diligent with the temporal and we could care less about the eternal? Doesn't make any sense to me. So that's what I'm trying to present to you. If we're diligent in the temporal, Shouldn't we be diligent in the eternal? Does it really matter? Well, let's look at Matthew chapter 6. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6 and get the words of our Lord Jesus. Again, this is the Sermon on the Mount. Beautiful area. North side of the Sea of Galilee. Just beautiful, picturesque. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. What does Jesus say? Do not lay up for yourselves a 401k. Ah, oh, come on. I mean, I'm doing that. I'm investing, just so you know. When I was at Motorola, I invested, paid off, praise God. So again, take all the scriptures in context. We're called to be responsible, not ignorant. We're called to be responsible, but let's read it all. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. What do we call that? Material liberation, Matt? <laughs> They're now calling stealing material liberation. 
You're not a thief. You just liberated my material. Now my material feels better with you. Now who's going to steal it from you to liberate the material from you? Then there'll be a thief and you'll shoot him, right? Hey, that's mine. I stole that. Ay, ay, ay. Verse 20. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. This is Jesus speaking, not Pastor Jim. So as we've read all those scriptures and we've gone over the text in Corinthians, do you guys get the picture? It's not about me trying to get you to fleshly do something. That's pointless. I'm your pastor. I'm here to encourage you to store up treasure in heaven. If you do, you do. If you don't, you don't. I'm not, I'm not taking, I don't have a report card. Forget it. I don't do that. Nobody around here does. It's between God and you. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. That is so important because I can't lose my rewards. Some, for some reason, Christians think that if I, if I compliment somebody, oh, don't do that. You're going to take away my rewards. Really? I think Jesus just said, you can't lose them. So thank people. It's nice to have an appreciative heart. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. As Matt comes up, um, when I was first working at Motorola, um, we were doing phenomenal. We were doing phenomenal. And so I invested in Motorola stock. And I don't know a thing about the stock market, but I personally, personally invested in Motorola stock. And we were doing so well because it was the Cold War. And uh, we were a defense contractor and we were building good stuff to blow people up. So we were making a lot of money. Just reality. I mean, it's just reality. We were making a lot of money. And so the stock went, I'll just, I forget what it was, but I'll just say from 30 to 60. And it's like, oh, wow, I'm going to buy it. And, and then it split two to one. So if you had 10 shares, now you got 20 shares, but the stock came down to 30 again. And then it went up to 60 again. And I'm like, I got to get in there. And I was, every day, man, I was looking, every single day I was looking at the paper. Yeah, they didn't have the stuff we have now. I literally had to look at a piece of paper. Plus, minus this, that. And it kept going. And then it split again, two for one. So now if you had 20, now you got 40. I got to buy more of this stuff. Every day, every day, every day. And then it went up to like 120 and did a three for one. Unbelievable. And then the core world was over and life... <laughs> fold the paper up in the trash. Sorry, God, I'm focusing on you. Sorry. <laughs> Guys, that's reality. That's reality. Do you not realize that the government could come in and take everything out of your bank account? Yeah, but on the bank, it outside it says guaranteed up to $250,000. Guaranteed by who? The government. And the government just says, we need that. Thanks. China's not calling the note on us. You know, the borrower is subject to the lender. We are subject to China. The only reason they're not calling it is because we're buying all their stuff. If they call the note, they kill their economy. So they're not doing that. They're just, it's a balancing act with them. How far are we going to take this? How far are we going to take this? But one day they're going to take it. Because we're not in the scriptures. China's in the scriptures. We're not in the scriptures, guys. We're in the last days. Look up. Invest in the kingdom. Don't stop investing. And that's just, again, not just here on a Sunday morning or Wednesday night. Throughout the day, God, how can I invest this week? How can I invest? How can I water? How can I plant? How can I fertilize? God, if I want, I want to pray with somebody to receive Jesus. God, how can I minister? Change a tire? Whatever it might be. God, what can I do for your glory to plant those seeds? Father, we thank you and praise you that you make it crystal clear.
It's not for selfish purposes. It's not for fleshly purposes. It's just reality. Your son tells us to do it. Yet, so often we'll say, well, I don't care. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I do care. I care a lot. I'm looking forward to it. So, Father, I thank you for that. And that's just by your Holy Spirit. It's not because of me. It's your Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ, even right now, that they would open their, their minds and their hearts to your Holy Spirit, and they would say, what am I thinking? What have I thought? Or I need to debug the program. Why am I not storing up? My 401k might go away, but my treasure in heaven won't. Father, help us lift our eyes to the eternal, that we might truly invest in the eternal. And we'll just lay it at your feet. I'm looking forward to laying it all at your feet. But I would venture to say that nobody wants to show up here today and not lay anything at your feet. We all want to lay something at your feet. So stir our hearts, Lord, to serve you for your glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. When we all stand, guys, we encourage you to pray and uh, go out and speak with Leanna and anything you purchase today. Again, none of it's coming to the church. None of the money's coming to the church at all. So you pray. If God wants you to invest, you invest. God bless you guys. Have a blessed week. If you need prayer for anything, please come. We'd love to pray for you. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.